Hello, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of Ronin's Den. I am super excited to be here and a lot nervous. It's funny, I'm just sitting at my computer talking to a picture of myself in webcam with a microphone in front of my face, but I have the same jitters I get when I stand in front of a large crowd and have to do public speaking. So I apologize if I stammer and stutter a little bit from here and there or uh, repeat myself a couple times, at least while I'm getting used to doing this show. I'm going to get better as time goes on, I promise. Uh, but what is Ronin's Den? What is the show and why do you want to listen to it? Why should you listen to it? Well, Ronin's Den is something I've wanted to do for a really long time. I named it after my Alaskan Malamute Ronin, who's no longer with me. Um, but I, I love talking about tabletop games. I started an account over on TikTok, and I've been talking about tabletops over there for mm, about a year now, I want to say. I've made a lot of good friends. I've had a lot of fun posting videos, talked about a lot of topics but you only get about three minutes to get your point across. And three minutes, while it can feel like an eternity when you're recording, just is not enough time to get a more nuanced thing out there. It's great when all you have to, all you want to talk about is, you know, hey, do you allow player characters at your table to look at each other's sheets? I mean, you can do a three minute splat piece on that. But if you want to really dive into a piece of lore or do a character build out, uh, talk about world building, it's nigh impossible to do that within three minutes. And those are two of the things that I really enjoy doing. I love building characters from concepts that people give me uh, or taking one off a movie or a TV show and building it into the system that works best with that character, whether that's 5th edition, uh, Palladium, Shadowrun, Blades in the Dark, the new Marvel game I have to play test rules for. It's really neat. I really want to see the finished product on that. But you just don't have time to do that properly in three minutes. The other thing I like to do is really talk about lore, take deep dives, and teach people about settings that I know and love. I mean, we all have that thing that we can sit down and talk about for hours on end uh, till the person in front of us, his eyes glaze over and they're just nodding going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, that's tabletop games for me. Uh, that's the setting riffs. And, you know, that's, that's my hyperfixation when it comes to settings, riffs. And to a lesser degree, Shadowrun, but riffs. And there's not any shows out there really that talk about riffs on a regular basis that take deep dives into the lore or do character builds. And it's a shame because it's such a rich, good setting. Now, I will admit the rules are very dated and crunchy. However, they just got a facelift with uh, Savage Worlds getting the license to put out their product called Savage Riffs. And I've seen a couple creators uh, talking about it. It really piqued my interest. I picked up a copy of Savage Worlds. I 
sadly didn't see the uh, Rifts book there when I went to my local game shop. But the system is, it's nice. It's fast-paced. It's gritty. I really like it. And with this updated rule system and Rifts being licensed to it, I feel like it's going to breathe new life into the setting that has been desperately needed over the last decades. Uh, Rifts has largely remained in the same format since I want to say about 1980, 1990. So Savage Worlds coming along and giving it a modern system. I'm super excited. I'm very glad to see. But that being said, Savage Worlds doesn't have all of those um, setting books out there. And Rifts, if anything, has a, I would say at times, an overabundance of um, world books, dimension books, and uh, general uh, setting and splat books, right? The whole game's contained in the main book. You can play the whole game without anything other than the main book, and then pick up something like Mad Haven if you want to go to New York, but you never need to pick those up. Now, if you're like me and you have a crippling paper addiction, once you get one book for a game system, if you even remotely like it, whether you have people that are playing it with you or not, you become an instant collector. And I have quite a few Palladium books over on my shelf, whether it's Rifts, Heroes Unlimited, Nightbane, uh, and then I got the Palladium Fantasy game, which is cool. But I also have uh, part of, some of my favorites are the Phase World books. It's um, Palladium Space Opera. Think Star Wars, but with magic and giant mecha that are more modern than in their appearance and capabilities. More anime-ish, more Gundam-like, uh, Robotech, uh, Battle... Battletech-like, one of those, if uh, you're familiar with them, then you're like ATSTs or ATATs. So much more versatile in their capabilities. I love, love Phase World. Um, anyway, back to the topic at hand. Setting, lore. Savage Worlds doesn't have a lot of it yet for the Rift scheme. So I said, hey in my brain why not make a podcast where you talk about the setting of riffs there's dozens of books that you can do take a deep dive into each one as a setting tear apart the factions and the major players in them see how they all interconnect forward and backwards through the history of the game um, see where you think that certain characters would go and what they would do, uh, such as Aaron Tarn, who is one of the NPCs that writes a, a lot of the little um, like setting information. She t writes letters and sends them back in the game, and it's kind of like your fictional. It's it's your nonfiction. It's your fiction. It's your nonfiction fiction for the game, right? So she'll write a letter and send it back to an NPC in another town, and you get to read the letter and see the world through her perspective and her traveling companion's perspectives. Also, 
the, the rifts earth you know that's where the game mainly takes place right rifts earth is a interdimensional nexus point it has portals that lead to every conceivable reality in the multiverse palladium calls it the megaverse but essentially it's it's a multiverse right so there's a multitude of earths that you could go to rifts can be time traveled uh gateways even some people speculate or you could step through a rift in i don't know chicago and end up in south america step through the same rift in south america if it's unstable it links to a different world and you're on the living planet of wormwood do it again and you're in center of the three galaxies rifts is it's it's great it's awesome but we gotta we have to have a starting point and the best starting point i think for this podcast is gonna be a dive into the start of the apocalypse what caused the rifts to occur in the first place and bring us into the setting that is rifts earth they describe the setting as a post post apocalypse so let's talk about the pre-apocalypse the apocalypse itself and how we got to where we got and the first place that we're going to start is back in the year 2098 by this point in time in human history the world's entered into what really could be thought of as a golden age of man the human genome's been mapped practically every disease known to man has been cured nanotech gene tech cybernetics and bionics they're all a thing of everyday life right Um, human beings are living to about 200 years through the advances in medical science we have international space stations plural space stations in orbit above the world people are living on them they're they're more like space colonies there's even a corporation called cyberworks aerospace network remember that uh that's going to come into play in future shows cyberspace cyberworks aerospace network uh they have their own installation on the moon they have the they also have these supercomputers right so cyberspace aero cyberworks aerospace networks we're just going to call it can okay can has developed this uh technology called archie Archie are these little um, neuro, they're like synthetic living brains, right? They're supercomputers, but they're almost neurological in their construction. They are insanely capable of running day-to-day operations of entire facilities and bases. Practically the entirety of their moon operation is run by a singular supercomputer archie 4. that's the other thing to remember too remember archie archie's going to play a part a big part later on now there's two things that happened in north america first one is going to be the north american alliance 
This is a pact that was signed back in 2035 between the Canada, Canadian government, the United States, and Mexico. Now, this was, um, it, it, it's almost like NAFTA on steroids, right? It was a social and economic uh, military co cooperation that has never been seen in the world between Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. As soon as this went into effect, there were no borders between the three member states. Uh, there was a push and a creation of a universal form of currency that can be used wherever you're at, whether you're in Canada, Mexico, the United States, any different state, any different province, it doesn't matter. The universal credit has been created. Now, they are also sharing technology um, and all kinds of intelligence information equally among all three countries. They put in together regulations, um, set up their measurements to be standardized. So no more of this, in, figure out inches if you're in the United States, figure out kilometers if you're in Canada. We came up with one easy to use metric of measurement. And it also created the Northern Eagle Military Alliance. The Northern Eagle Military Alliance could be thought of as the paramilitary arm of this uh, of the pact. It had jurisdiction in any of the three member countries, and it was formed up of operatives from all three as well. I guess like the best way that you could think of them is like wrap up the NSA, the FBI, and the CIA along with an army at, all in a one little package, and there you go, you have NEMA. Uh, since uh, the Northern American uh, territories had probably the most advanced technology at that point in time, they were also one of the best equipped. It didn't take long before they were you know, considered the pinnacle of crime fighting and military innovations. So we know that the golden age of man started sometime before 2035. And we know for a fact that it lasted until 2098. December 22nd, 2098 was the day that uh, Day of the Rifts came. So, you know, we like to think that man is going to cause the destruction of their world, right? A lot of our movies and disaster shows we're responsible climate change um, nuclear war famine something like that we are res directly responsible for the end of the world in a lot of our disaster films but that wasn't the case when it comes to riffs we only played a small blip in what happened now granted what happened was a significant blip However, had it been any other day or any other time of day, nothing would have happened. It would have been a very unfortunate event that resulted in the loss of human life. It would not have caused a cataclysm that leads to Earth becoming an interdimensional nexus point. It just wouldn't have. So before we talk about what happened, we need to talk about ley lines. What is a ley line? What's a ley line nexus point? And what is it made of? What fuels it? 
think of ley lines as highways of magical energy okay they crisscross the planet and they when they meet they form a nexus point so if two ley lines come across each other the center of that's called a nexus point we know that based on the setting that this version of Earth was very much like our own. And when it comes to magic being a real thing, people didn't believe in it on Rift's Earth, uh, or just Earth at this point, I should say. It was this thing of fairy tales. It never really existed. There were some people out there that, you know, oh, magic's real. It used to exist. They, there's places of magic energy still. Those places like Stonehenge, right? Stonehenge is a very... You know, it's debated in even today what it was used for. But Stonehenge is a major nexus point in Rift's Earth where multiple ley lines crisscross each other. At those points, magic energy is, it's, it's, it's massive. It's where it wells up and forms its most potent area. So ley line nexus points being the epicenter of magical energy, there's also things that can affect the available magical energy just certain times of the day. So noon and midnight are times of the day when magic energy peaks. It can also be affected by certain astrological events, right? So if there's a solar eclipse, a lunar eclipse, partial and full planetary alignments, these things affect the ley lines. During them, magical energy increases even more. And that's all well and good, but what fuels a ley line? What, what's the stuff of magic energy? The game system calls it potential psychic energy, or PPE. It's referenced as in all the books. It's your PPE base. Uh, that's what you use to expend to cast magic. That's what forms in the ley lines and it's how practitioners of magic can increase their own available reserves. Now, when an organism dies, its base of potential psychic energy doubles at the instant of death. If there's nobody there who knows how to tap into that at the instant of death, uh, such as during a blood sacrifice, which we'll talk about when we get to magic casters, then that energy dissipates and goes into the ley lines. Now, the other thing we need to talk about before we get over to the event is mega damage capacity, or MDC. Now, this is one of those topics that people who are not fans of the Palladium system tend to zero in on as a reason why. And I will admit, it can be a bit clunky if you're not used to it. It, it just can. MDC is, it stands for Mega Damage Capacity. We're going to put that on the side for a second and go over here. And that is the system also has something called SDC, which is Structural Damage Capacity. And it has the very familiar to everybody who's ever played a tabletop game, HP or hit points. So HP and SDC are equal in terms, meaning one point of HP is equal to one point of SDC. Now, one point of HP or SDC is not equal to one point of MDC. You need a hundred hit points worth of damage in order to equal one MDC. 
so converting this stuff can be a bit cumbersome if you're not if it's something that you don't really enjoy doing it gets a little weird it, it's a little cumbersome i'll admit it which is why the system going in the savage riffs is so awesome but these USA G10s, uh, Chromium Guardsmen, they're later going to be called Glitter Boys in the main Rift setting. They are MDC structures that put out mega damage with their weapon. Now, the main weapon of one of these Glitter Boys is a thing called the Boom Gun. Uh, the Boom Gun's uh, real name is the RG-14 Rapid Acceleration Electromagnetic Cannon. Uh, which is why people lovingly call it the boom gun instead, because that is way less than a mouthful. Uh, and what this gun does is it fires, I think it's a couple hundred flechette style rounds all at once at Mach 2, I want to say, speeds. Let me go back and look that up real quick. No, it is Mach 5. So yeah, it's, they fire really, really fast. <laughs> Has a range of about a mile as well. Um, but every time it fires, it generates a sonic boom, which is how it got its name, Boom Gun. Now, those are mega damage weapons, okay? So what that means is every one point of damage they do, it's the equivalent of 100 points of hit point damage. The reason I'm getting into this is Nima had loaned 12 of these suits to a ally down in South America. This ally wasn't doing so good. Their military was kind of in a shambles. And these suits were only supposed to be used during times of extreme duress. These things were not supposed to be put on the streets and used as police force. They weren't supposed to be used in just any old conflict. They were definitely not supposed to be used as an aggressive unit. Defense only. And that's when we come to December 22nd, 2098. A group of rebels from a neighboring country came in and attacked some something. It's the, the books don't say what was attacked specifically. Uh, but the country that Nima had lent the suits to deployed the USA G10s. It deployed its glitter boys, all 12 of them. Now, if you have an AK-47 or any kind of standard handheld weapon, your bullets are just going to bounce off the mega damage armor. It's not going to do any damage to these suits. So these rebels were just pushed easily and quickly. They were gone in a hurry. The thing is, they ran across the border into a neighboring country that the Nima ally has the best a really strained past with. The pilots in the Glitter Boys, they, you know, they got a god complex is the best way I can describe it from everything I read. And they decided, hey, we're going to follow these rebels into the neighboring country and we're just going to wipe them out. They can't do anything. Their weapons do nothing to us. And we have the power of the boom gun behind us. And that's what they did. They went into a neighboring country and they took out those rebels. It wasn't even a contest. But the power went to their head. And not only did the power go to their head, but... They also got this not totally undeserved sense of invincibility, and they got a very undeserved bloodlust. Uh, 
and they decided that hey these this village was also harboring these rebels and they slaughtered the entire village the invading country you know they seeing you know they're being invaded they send an entire um battalion after these glitter boys okay so remember there were six 12 glitter boys that were dispatched and this town is called Guatemarta. Guatemarta. They wiped that town. All 24,000 townspeople were killed by these Glitter Boys. The Glitter Boys also were able to kill 12,000 soldiers. This only resulted in one destroyed Glitter Boy. So think about that. A unit of 12 power armor suits was able to invade a country and take out somewhere around 36,000 people in a very short period of time. The horror of mega damage weaponry is, it's nothing to, you know, it's bad. Now, the invaders being invaders, of course, they did not apologize for the incident. They said it was completely necessary they were they were defending themselves these rebels invaded them first they needed to take them out well the invaded country decided on december 22nd 2098 to unleash a tactical nuclear weapon against the country that invaded them this snuffed out millions of lives in an instant the country that got hit with them did the same. They launched a tactical nuclear weapon of their own. And they did the same thing to the country that launched on them. This caused millions of people's psychic energy to go flooding into the ley lines. When these nukes hit, it was midnight. It was also the day of a full planetary alignment. So you have the time of the day when ley line energy is at its peak. You have the time of year, this once in a years long event where ley lines and nexus points are at their absolute peak of power. And you have millions of people's doubled psychic energy pouring into these weak ley lines at their absolute strongest point during the day. It's like if you have a river and it's flowing, it has guardrails up, like it has it has a barrier on each side, because the river only ever gets so high, right? It never gets above this point. And then all of a sudden there's a flash flood. Those guardrails, those barriers, they're not gonna do anything. And that's pretty much what happened here with the ley lines. All of these psychic energy poured into the ley lines and burst the dam, so to speak. This caused the ley lines to visibly erupt. So they go from being this invisible current of magical energy to these three-mile-high uh, rivers of blue-white energy erupting from the ground and crisscrossing uh, in the area, which, when this happens, earthquakes happen. Freak storms happened. Dimensional portals were ripped open, which caused more death. 
which then fueled the ley lines even further, so on and so forth. And it started a domino effect that engulfed the entire planet within minutes. The end of the world happened on December 22nd, 2098. When those nukes hit ground in South America, it was 30 seconds before North America started experiencing their light lines erupting. The rest of the world, it was only minutes. The entire eastern and western seaboards of the United States, gone. They had vanished. Uh, they were swallowed by the seas. The, the island of Manhattan, which uh, becomes known as Madhaven eventually, that entire island is picked up out of the air, uh, out of the ground. It's in the air, and it gets slammed down back into the landmass of New York. A island becomes a peninsula. Everybody on the island is just wiped out instantly then. Uh, Haiti, Cuba, all the Caribbean islands, they're pretty much gone. Um, we'll come to learn later why that is, what caused those tidal waves, and that was the reappearance of Atlantis. One of the most devastating things to happen as well in North America was the eruption of the Yellowstone supervolcano. Now, arguably, this could also be considered a blessing because the ash was able to bury the untold number of deceased citizens. Otherwise, plague would have just, it would have been the next thing they would have had to worry about. And all communications around the world, they were gone. If when uh, the space colonies, uh, the space stations, if you remember them, and uh, the moon base, they could see what was happening uh, from their view in space. And it looked like the world was ripping itself apart. And they really weren't too far off from the fact when they said it looked like the world was ripping itself apart. The entirety of Earth was being basically reconfigured on an interdimensional level. It went from being this backwater that was completely unimportant. It had almost no magical energy whatsoever. It was a budding techno technological um, planet, but I mean, we hadn't even figured out how to get out of our own solar system yet. Two, it is one of the strongest nexus points in the entirety of the multiverse. There were some small pockets of survivors. Uh, we do have some information from some NEMA operatives, General uh, Lieutenant General Lindsey Sawyer uh, being one of them that we can reference over in the Chaos Earth book. Uh, from her point of view, what she was seeing, and uh, she was saying it looked like hell on Earth. If anything, if that, it was a cliche, uh, but. She said the whole thing, while cliche, it's like hell came to Earth. With all that being said, they nobody really knew what to do. The entire chain of command had collapsed. The only place that they were still getting any kind of reports from people was uh, in the Midwest. Uh, the American Midwest fared pretty well, all things considered, when all of this popped off. So... That's where they went, and they started to f try and at least form some kind of stronghold and bastion to go back out and rescue as many lives as they could. Now, humanity, while it was 
dwindling and dying off rapidly, the rifts were depositing all kinds of creatures, aliens, dragons, literal demons were appearing on the planet. Uh, there were time-displaced people as well. This time right here, the coming of the rifts, the great cataclysm, what's going to be called Chaos Earth, was one of the most turbulent events that had ever happened in the multiverse. I can't find any other event in a Palladium game that was more impactful than the Cataclysm. And I'm even including Dark Day from Nightbeat. So it's at this point in time that the setting of Chaos Earth starts. Chaos Earth is the setting that Palladium has for playing during the apocalypse. At some point in time after Chaos Earth's setting, it starts the Dark Ages. And it's 200 years um, for the Dark Ages before the post-apocalyptic calendar starts. So it's right about here that the setting of Chaos Earth picks up if you're a Palladium Games player. And if you're not, it's a really cool set setting. We'll talk a bit about it because uh, there's some character options and creatures in there that you don't see in Rifts by the time we get to the post-apocalyptic calendar. Now what follows Chaos Earth is a 200 year long period, give or take, known as the Dark Ages. During the Dark Ages, uh, we're going to have a lot of information popping in about the Psy Stalkers, the creation of the Cyber Knights, and Glitter Boys becoming basically traveling knight errants, uh, going from settlement to settlement, keeping them safe, um, getting rid of uh, despot rulers or routing monsters or demons out that are causing problems. And we'll eventually get to the creation of the coalition states. We'll learn more about Tolkien and Laszlo, uh, New Laszlo. Uh, these are all cities on, in, on Rift's Earth in North America that are major story points. Um, the war in Tolkien, Siege of Tolkien, being one of the most um, influential that takes place in the system. But that's that's the first episode. Um, I hope everybody liked it. Uh, please leave comments down below. If you could be kind and um, give me a good rating, five stars, it will definitely help people find this podcast. And anybody who leaves a five-star rating with a review, I will be reading out on the show uh, at the beginning of every episode. So, yeah, there's the first show. Um, hopefully everybody enjoyed it. I know that I'm not the best at this yet. It's only going to get better with time as I get more comfortable doing this. Um, but thank you so much for stopping by. Uh, please leave a comment or review here. If there's a topic or a game system you'd like me to discuss, please uh, put that in there. If you guys do a five-star review, that really helps people find the show. And if you leave a comment there, I will definitely be reading off five-star reviews every time they happen at the beginning of our episodes. We don't have a Patreon or anything set up right now. We're doing this mainly as a form of fun and entertainment for ourselves and to hopefully put something out there that you guys uh, enjoy listening to. 
if we ever do set up a Patreon, I will definitely uh, put the link in the show's bio. Uh, But thank you so much for stopping by. I look forward to talking to you guys again real soon. Take care.